delivering high-quality, technology-centric podcasts around the world. This is MunchTech.TV, taking a bite out of technology. Hello, welcome to episode 502 of The Two Techies for Saturday, April 4th, 2020. This is the show where we talk about the week's most notable technology stories in Randonar or less with Aaron Fisher and myself, Jimmy Bunting. Come together once a week to discuss, debate, converse, scrutinize and explore the world of tech. On this week's episode... The UK's relations with Huawei weaken. Safety concerns over the continued worldwide use of Zoom. And Apple Sherlock's yet another app. Hello, welcome and thank you for joining us on episode 502 of the show this week for the first week of April 2020. If you're new to the show, this is a podcast devoted to technology, devoted to technology news and the goings-on in the industry throughout the previous week, which is then followed by the previous episode, which follows the week before that, which follows the month before that, and the year before that, and you get the pitch. We've been doing it for 10 years. I guess you know the format if you've joined us for any length of time. And if you have done, thank you. This week, we have had... It's been interesting because we, we talked about how coronavirus and COVID has slowed the industry right down. It has, and that hasn't changed, but there are... <laughs> There will always be stories from something, and I guess the fact that, number one, technology is playing such a key part now. We're, we're kind of in the phase where we're stabilised in the response, I guess, and I'm not talking about the health, but of course I'm, I'm not talking about the worldwide health response. It's completely different, and I'm not really knowledgeable in that, but we are, in terms of technology, people are working from home, people are schooling from home, they're doing what they need to do from home, they have no other choice. And I guess, we had this discussion the other day, Aaron, when we were talking, but this, I, I, I try to look at positives from every situation, and I'm not saying that this happened it's great that this happened so x could happen not at all anything but because sadly lives are being lost and that's first and foremost in any situation and and that must be the focus but if you if you want to take a positive away from this there are certain things that people are doing they wouldn't have done if they didn't have the time or if they didn't have the safety net around doing it number two businesses on a, on a wide scale worldwide are having to let their employees work from home and obviously if they can't work from home then that's a different scenario but in that businesses are now realizing mm, we can do this we can do that and we can do that and they they previously wouldn't have they wanted to trial it they wanted to see what the options were they just couldn't afford a major mess if that happened following trialing something now they've, they've no option so they just have to try it and i think being pushed to do something sometimes is fantastic because it actually provokes a response whereas before without being pushed you're kind of mm, we'll do that sometime so this is trialing technology to an extent we've never really experienced before because go back to i think 2005 would be the flagship marker we, we had technology in 2005 but it was so different to what we have 15 years later and good timing for, for a lockdown because the technology we were conferencing we we're able to talk to each other we we're able to connect we we're able to order our food online if needs be or necessities from amazon or whatever you need you're able to keep in touch with the greater picture of the pandemic as well technology is playing such a key role here not the most important of course the most important are those who are working on the front line the health workers the care workers those who are required and are obviously selflessly um risking their own lives to to accommodate and to 
to help in the response but technology is doing a great part as well and it's helping us all stay more connected and it's helping in multiple you know different sectors and areas which is great it, it's always I, I always say technology can, can be great it can also be a curse and I <laughs> technology is is the reason for so many negative correlations and connotations in modern day life so it's, it's great to see something positive coming from it I think that's uh, I'm 100% with you I think it's one of the big takeaways of this is how many jobs I think we spoke about this last week but how many jobs can be done at home um, you know as you say so many companies wanted to trial for so long remote working um, and it's taken something like this where companies have just basically been pushed into uh, doing it and I think it'll be interesting to see how many jobs actually go back to, to let's say being in a physical space or, or how many jobs or more people will be allowed to work from home in the future uh, there are so many benefits to working from home there are so many negatives or there are quite a few negatives as well let's be honest I yeah. think we're all a bit bored of being in the house um, but uh, yeah it's an interesting time I again with you on the you know we, we're we trying to make positive out of a huge negative here you know we don't want to draw too much light on it I guess but um, no no I'm loving all of the celebrities who are basically stuck at home as well they're all doing live streams and concerts and you know they're gaming on Twitch like this just this completely unseen side of them before it's like um, at the moment all of the Formula 1 drivers are like racing F1 2019 on Twitch and it's just like this has never happened before um, <laughs> you, you just like seeing this other side to, to that kind of untouchable world it's the same with, with music artists you know watching some of my music artists uh, some of my favourite artists play like Animal Crossing for like three hours yesterday and it's just like I don't think they would have ever done that I mean they I believe they, they would still play those video games but I don't think they would stream it to the world and you know they all of a sudden turned it into a you can donate to them uh you could get them to you know pay to play a song or whatever but that money was all going to uh to help you know the response and and you know one of the ones i was watching yesterday he wanted to put it towards uh helping people who have lost their jobs during this time and whatnot so there are there is so i guess in a world of misery at the moment there is still kind of lots of good things happening which is uh one positive to take from it and yeah the frontline workers um i love the things like the clap for the nhs and whatnot at the moment I think it's fantastic. It's great to see that, that through this whole pandemic we'll, we'll refer to it as that because that's what it is yeah the world's coming together in so many ways to try and make a focused effort and to fix it i know that's not the right terminology but you know what i'm trying to say practice what you preach is what they say and i normally do because on the show we're big advocates for backup 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 back it up to get it back type thing and it's only when you lose data on a hard drive either because of corruption or if the hard drive fails or numerous other reasons that you kind of say thank goodness i had a backup and if you don't have a backup up you say why the hell did i not back it up and i don't think those words would come out uh, come out of your mouth Aaron, or mine in 2020 i would hope and i would hope most people who join us on the show would also have something similar if you don't please make it your task this week amongst whatever else you have to do to get a backup of some form of what you have on your phone your computer some things that are priceless okay your music uh, you're not going to cry over it you know if it's on spotify it's backed up brilliant great your photos i'm talking about your photos really especially older photos that you just cannot get back aren't uploaded anywhere are sitting on a hard drive or a disc or floppy drive or whatever they're on if you don't have a backup of them make it your job to get a backup and i say that because during this downtime i have given myself the small time task of trying to get 
old, old, old family photos archived and digitized. And to the most part, some of them, well, I've, I've made a good progress on some, but there is one that's troubling me. So we're not talking about old analog photos that have been printed out from film and are in you know cases and so on. That's, that's okay. We can scan those, save them. Great. There's a hard drive and it's hunting me. I, out of the collection of hard drives we have, countless hard drives, and I've checked them all and the data is what I expect it to be. And that's fine. There isn't a lot to salvage because most of it's backed up. One hard drive from the very beginning of computing days, at least in my household. And obviously, naivety meant that there was no backup of this disk. There was somewhere, I just don't know where it is or what happened to it, whether it got written over. I don't know. And there's one hard drive. It's, it's the one I need. It's the one I think that uh, a few photos that I would like to get her on. Sod's law, really. That when I went to plug it in, zilch. Nothing. Not a drop. Nada. Zero. Not a noise, not a clunk. Nothing. Which is kind of soul destroying. So the uh, story and morale goes that this hard drive will be going off through the week to a clean room, to a laboratory, to at least be, be looked at. And we all know that's not cheap. And we all know that that's really not a step that you want to take if you can avoid it. Now, the, the nice thing is, I've had, had, had a chat with them and we've talked over the options. We're going to see first off what's wrong with it. Second off, if there's any data on it for a start or anything to be salvaged, and then we'll make the decision on what to do. Um, but it's it's something you would want to avoid if, if necessary. And I guess the, the irony is this hard drive, okay, in terms of age and year reading, I think it dates back to probably 2005, six or seven, sometime around then, didn't have the hardest of lives from what I can remember because the computer it was in did fail only a few years later and there was a rebuild on a new computer with a new hard drive in. Just not all of the data was transferred over for some reason. But there is a similar hard drive sitting with similar capacity from 1997. And it spins just fine. So if the excuse you're using to negate backing up is, well, all my mediums are pretty new. It doesn't wash, unfortunately. A 97 hard drive spinning up perfectly fine. Data's on it safe. And one 10 to 12 years later, 8, 10, 12 years later, whatever the dating is on it. Nope, nothing. So that just goes to show how volatile hard drives can be. Please, please, please. If you do not have a backup, back it up. Please. Also, one backup is as good as no backups at all. Oh, absolutely. It should be, you know, make a clone, make a backup in a drive that sits in your drawer, whatever. That's good, but it's, you know, not perfect. You protect against, let's say, one drive failure, but you don't protect against, you know, your house burning down or something like that. Um, you should do, I think, I guess, one on-site, you know, one off-site, and then probably one in the cloud or something like that. I've always tried to do, um, I've got multiple clones on my desk, basically. Um, Synology, um, highly recommend something like a Synology for everyone if you just want to store lots of stuff locally. Um, and then back your Mac up or your PC PC, back your Synology up, whatever, to the cloud. So use a service like Backblaze or CrashPlan or um, Carbonite or any of these services. Um, even putting your photos on something like Google Drive or SmugMug or Flickr, just anywhere. Um, I also, one thing I, I've tried to do is um, get a hard drive, clone to it or put whatever you want on it and encrypt it, obviously. Um, don't just leave drives unencrypted lying around um, because it's all well and fine password protecting your computer and whatnot but if you leave a backup of it right next to it that's completely unencrypted kind of negates the point slightly um and then stick it in your car or something like that something that is offsite. obviously i appreciate cars can get stolen and whatnot um but um it's just a great place to keep an offsite or keep it at a family member's house or somewhere like that um i've just always found my car to be the most convenient place um, but yeah backups in multiple places online offline not at the same house um you're 100 right music most documents lots of this stuff can be replaced 
Um, someone else has a copy of it. Your photos are like the one thing that you can mm. never get back. You can never recreate those photos. If you like, I had a similar scare probably like ten years ago, where I thought I basically I stored because at this point computers didn't have very big internal drives. This is going back some years. I stored yep. all my photo library on this one external hard drive, and then this one external hard drive decided one day that it was not going to mount or anything like that. And this was kind of before we had you know the tools built into the Mac was so good about you know testing disks and whatnot um and all these data recovery programs were even more expensive at that point it's probably going back like 15 years 10 15 years but um i think it was just the power supply went bad it wasn't actually the drive failing so it was like nerve-wracking but wasn't the end of the world and i think from then on back up in multiple places photos are everywhere um yeah because i can't like the just the thought of losing that stuff is just like i never want to go through that again i think it's it takes one experience of it and exactly then you, you never make the mistake again and that's that's the thing i'm kicking myself because well this goes as i said did back 15 plus years so i okay fair enough wouldn't or shouldn't happen today but it does make you reevaluate your your backup strategy where your things are and um, what's important to keep and save and salvage so on and so forth but the message is don't leave it until it's too late don't leave it until you're kicking yourself i wish i had have um, use this opportunity now and again i'm not saying that i i, I don't want to say it in the wet signs but use this opportunity now of slight downtime to reevaluate certain things to me that is important most importantly photos because photos and videos especially older ones ones that you may and and that's the thing it's a hard drive that i haven't touched in in many years i couldn't even tell you what could potentially on it. i have an idea of what i would like to be on it and i guess that what is is what probably is on it but we don't know so also um if you've got everyone's got a stack or a box or whatever of family photos that are obviously not in digital form so we're not even talking about hard drive mm. failing at this point we're talking about you know house flooded house burnt down photos tend to go bad after a while don't they there's lots of you yeah. know when you when you go back to older older forms the, the quality just doesn't last um if you've got a box of photos uh, a stack of photos we've all got them and we've all got the ones that have not been scanned yet they're the oh when i get a moment i'm gonna scan them just take a photo of them you know use your iphone your android phone whatever you know there are lots of good apps out there even just use the built-in camera just a copy doesn't have to be the best copy but just a simple copy of that will make the world of difference then another day if you haven't got time now another day go through and use a proper document scanner or or send them off to a service when this is all over to to, to get them done i'm sure there are loads of services out there that will will take your box of you know four by six photos or whatever and, and we'll we'll scan them for you but just yeah a, a basic photo or, or you know of each one for now using your camera will just make the world of difference um just yeah backups 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 people like it, it, it losing any kind of data like that is absolutely heart-wrenching so i think as you say while we all have a bit of a bit more free time at the moment let's reevaluate things like our backup strategy and and whatnot and you know do some digital decluttering digital organization yeah. it's the, it's the, the perfect time to do it arrange that documents folder that looks like a mess or you know clean that downloads folder or rearrange your desktop delete all those screenshots whatever it is um i think it's a good time to do it well uh, not to sign brittle if now isn't the best time to do it if you have downtime i appreciate some people may be working their backsides off because of this going on so i'm apologies thank you and um you know i i, I get that point but when it's your turn to have downtime when everyone else is back to work and you've you've decided well, well i have to stop now because i've just been working flat out then take that time do it for yourself do it because if you don't when the time comes and when push comes to shove you will kick yourself so that's um, our homework to you for this week sift through 
through those 13,000 unread emails too. You can, <laughs> you can unsubscribe from those Groupon newsletters. You can do it. <laughs> Before Aaron goes on any further rants, <laughs> it's my rant actually, we'll go to the quick news. Apple has added an anti-eavesdropping feature to the 2020 iPad Pro that ensures the microphone hardware is disabled when a case is attached to the iPad and closed. The security feature was first introduced in 2018 in MacBook models using Apple's T2 security chip. This includes a hardware microphone disconnect feature that disables the mics when the notebook's lid is closed. As spotted by 9to5Mac, an updated version of Apple's platform security document makes clear that the anti-eavesdropping is also available on all 2020 iPad Pro models when using an MFI-compliant case. We've known that Apple has been working on a tile-like tracking tag system for months, but the biggest confirmation of the upcoming product yet has come in a since-deleted support video posted by Apple just through the week. The video straight up confirms both the existence of the tracking tags and the AirTag name as spotted by online blogs. The video, which shows the Find My iPhone menu, doesn't just reveal the name, but also the fact that AirTags will offer some sort of offline finding feature that will enable them to be tracked even without a connection to Wi-Fi or cellular data. That gels with other rumors that speculated that the new chips will feature ultra-wideband radio technology similar to what Apple's iPhone 11 models use with their U1 chips for better local location data. Amazon is planning to delay Prime Day until at least August due to the ongoing pandemic, according to internal meeting notes by Reuters. Amazon expects it could lose $100 million from excess devices it may now have to sell at a discount because of the delay. Amazon has declined to comment so far. Prime Day is typically a huge sales driver for the company. Amazon said that Prime Day 2019 which actually took place over two days, was once again the largest shopping event in Amazon history, surpassing sales of both Black Friday and Cyber Monday 2018 combined. And the company sold more than 175 million items during the event. And finally, Apple on Wednesday confirmed the existence of a program for streaming video providers that allows those platforms to bypass its standard 30% app store fee when selling individual purchases like movie downloads and TV show rentals. The program first became public earlier through the week when Amazon updated its Prime Video iOS and Apple TV apps to allow in-app purchases for the first time. It's not clear how long the program has existed for, but there are at least two other providers Altice One and Canal Plus currently participating, Apple confirmed. In a statement given online, Apple said the program has been established for some time and designed for premium providers that allowed those companies to use their own payment methods and exist outside the App Store's standard financial ecosystem. The requirement, those platforms must be able to integrate core Apple services, apps and features, including AirPlay 2, Universal Search and Siri support, and single or zero sign-on amongst others. This comes as, alongside, you know, Apple have always tried to maintain integrity in the hardware of such as webcams and, and microphones because there have been leaks. Do you remember in 20, was it 2011, maybe even 2010, that a school in America, high school in America, gave students laptops, netbooks, whatever they were, and the students took them home and <laughs> the school were actually spying on their students. I do remember that, yeah. That, I mean, every 
everyone was aware of, you know, hard drive or hard drives, webcams and microphones, the potential that they could be hit, you know, or hacked on or so on remotely. But that that really, I mean, this wasn't hacking. This was spyware on the computer that just fed the data back to the school, which was crazy, absolutely crazy. It it opened eyes. It instilled the fact that. Hmm, Maybe more needs to be done. I think, and it's not just that one instance, it's just the fact of the, the potential security vulnerabilities around the hardware. Apple are doing more than more than that now. So the, the LED on the MacBook, it's hardwired onto the camera, for example, and the same with the iMac. When, when the camera's activated, it will turn on. Software will not disable it, supposedly, but they're going further than that. I think, even though that was eight, nine years ago, I think uh, it probably not until the past, like, two or three years, have we actually, you, you know, you go to any coffee, well, not the moment, when we can, <laughs> you go to any coffee shop um, you go to any business and you'll see as much as apple want to tout webcam security and as much as i think we all believe them about that green led is literally hardwired to the power um there are still people i think us included we stick tape over or we get little sliders or blue tack or whatever it is and you know it's just a reassuring thing isn't it to stick something over your camera a um, little harder with a microphone obviously um so i think this is a good thing um i think what's interesting about this is the privacy stuff is great but when we talked about the ipad pro getting this fancy case that has a trackpad in we spoke about how macbook like it was coming and it's funny how this like even kind of further solidifies that apple are like treating it with the same security that the macbook has as well um it truly is becoming a laptop essentially um i'm surprised it's actually taken apple this long i'm surprised it's just the ipad pro or the latest ipad pro as well um we know how much on recent macs is tied into the t2 for better or for worse you know there are problems i think on the mac pro like the because obviously it has a t2 chip uh, you can change the ssds in that but obviously i think the mac will start throwing a wobbly because the t2 ties um i think that the, the chip is like tied into the uh the ssds and whatnot so there are upsides and downsides to, to, to more security on these things especially on on modular macs but i think in the iphone the ipad this stuff all makes total sense um you know yeah. if the camera is not being used then i think a hardware disconnect is fantastic it's a great selling feature as well. Um, we know Apple have always been a little bit prideful on. Um, they like to sell privacy as a feature. Um, we, I think we we like to sit here and think that they believe about privacy, and you know, I think that is somewhat true. But it's a in this day and age, we're going to talk about it much more in this episode. In this day and age, um, being able to sell security and privacy as a feature is just massive. The general public genuinely cares now. Um, like I say, there are just everyone seems to stick tape over their cameras. So if Apple can sell it to you that you don't need to do that, I think uh, I think it's a big thing. Absolutely. More on Apple, the Apple tile, the AirTag, as it's being referred to. It, it exists, and it seems like they're they're going one step further than those that typically connect to a Wi-Fi cellular network to try and point pinpoint the whereabouts, which is kind of cool. I just worry what the price tag is going to be. So I um the U1 chip is obviously in the new iPhones, which is actually super cool. I'm just trying to... You know when you want to demo something and then you can never do it? Um, I noticed that, uh, bearing in mind, we... Uh, I don't think anything's so like, you know, I've just got my iPhone 11 here and I'm just like airdropping, or, you know, when I airdrop photo to my iMac or something. The iMac is obviously like 150 years old and doesn't have any of this modern fancy technology. Like yep. the U1 stuff, when, when I open up airdrop and whatnot, it's like you can actually see like the direction of the device that you're going to communicate with. It's so cool. Um, But I think it was sort of a chip that I can't remember if Apple actually put it on their advertising literature or on their webpage or anything when the new iPhones came out. Um. It was just 
like one of those things that was found and everyone was like, what's this for? Um, clearly, it was always a future thing. And I think people slowly started to put two and two together about, oh, this you know, ultra wideband makes sense for this stuff. And then I know we've spoken about AirTags in the past. I think it was like one of those things we thought were going to come out either earlier this year or later last year. Maybe it was like October or something. I can't remember. Um, and then it just sort of never happened. And obviously, everything's being delayed at the moment. Um, you know, there are, I was going through the rumor sites and it's like, I think in about two months, Apple have about 850 products rumored to be released. Um, you know, new MacBooks and whatnot. Um, I, yeah, I can't believe they put up a support video straight up with air tags and, you know, the whole methodology written out. It's like, ah, classic Apple. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you, you do think that they do it on purpose, that there's something behind it to try and get a bit of hype. Oh, people aren't talking about this. Oh, just hit release. Oh, bring which, it back. Which, just thinking about it, I know we prefaced the show with Apple Sherlock's yet another app, but this is Apple Sherlocking yet another hardware. You know, Tile has existed for a long time now. Um, there, are, there are a bunch of them. They're basically tiny little trackers. I've got some around somewhere. Um, tiny little trackers, normally Bluetooth enabled. Um, they'll connect to your phone. Um, and then I think they can connect to other Tile users' tiles as well. So if you're, let's say you put it in your backpack, your backpack gets stolen. You mark this Tile as lost. Um, when it comes into contact with any other Tile, it will kind of create like a mesh network that will allow it to be located. It's a great idea in principle. I never had much luck getting any of it to work. I'm like, I barely even find my own stuff. Um... <laughs> Which, obviously, this would be super powerful for Apple because they could run on the same kind of ideology of if something gets, if a tile gets marked as lost, um, when it comes into contact with, let's say, any iPhone, you know, which is huge, it could be instantly located. So I think it will be a, a really interesting product. It'd be really interesting to see what they do from a, from a privacy standpoint as well. The execution just has to be spot on, which I think, given Apple's track record, they should be okay with. They, they should get it right. Prime Day, Amazon are doing the right thing. Uh, I guess it goes without saying that this is going to happen. At least August, until at least August, hopefully that, that means we'll you know have a lot of this cleared up and life will be resembling some normality at least. Amazon are playing a big part at the minute in, in the response. I know in the, the UK they are talking about distributing testing kits and so on for the NHS. They've, they've approached Amazon directly. So it's nice that Amazon are taking it seriously. They're, and I think most companies in this case are, they have to, they, well they've no choice in some circumstances, but others were committed to putting people before profit anyway, which which is great to see. And then, of course, Apple letting some of the, the streaming video apps bypass the App Store cut, which I think it's quite smart by Apple because you're talking about companies who potentially have their own standalone offerings, but also recognize the power in the Apple platform. And Apple have recognized that too. So they've said, right, well, if we can get these people on board, they, they're all of a sudden not as much of a competitor as opposed to a partner. So it's Apple always seems to, to, to know how to twist it just to work perfectly for them, which always has worked for them in the end, I guess. We've known they've done similar things when it comes to subscriptions. So I think services like Netflix have had a similar deal for a while. Um, I don't know if it's free. I think it's just like greatly reduced from what the rest of us peasants can get. Um, I think this is something that Amazon have um, with the Prime app, but more so from my experience with the Audible app, like I was never able to understand why I couldn't use my credit, my Audible credit mm -hmm. in the app. Like you can browse, you know, the library, browse everything, um, but you can't use your credits. You can't purchase anything. Um, and I always thought that was really weird, um, but I guess 
now makes sense. I, th- I just checked. I thought the Audible app had been updated. I saw someone say the Audible app, maybe it's just the US one for now, um, had been updated to allow you to purchase things with credit. But uh, hardly a surprise. Um, I think Apple were always going to play a little bit of uh, hardball, I guess, with them, weren't they? Um, yeah. You know, Amazon, a big player now. Apple have to kind of keep them in their back pocket slightly. Yeah, they have to recognize that and they have to respect it as well. So that's what they've done. 502, before we move on to the news, we didn't get to it. So is the HTTP status code for what, Aaron? God knows. I assume it's some kind of error. Ooh. Um, it's the one for and, and I, I have to say I knew this I'm disappointed Aaron that you didn't know it I totally didn't look it up and the fact that you're a senior lead front end web developer just disappoints me a little bit you know because Wikipedia had nothing to do with my knowledge gain in this area I just knew it <laughs> Okay, I can't set the straight face. It is the HTTP status code for a temporary overload. Is that the same as a DDoS? Would that would that correlate to having a d- direct denial of server attack? No, uh, like overloading the I server. So. I don't or I think um, five hundred two. I'm pretty sure is the same error. You know when a website can't connect, uh, a website has Cloudflare on it and it can't connect to the server. I'm pretty sure five hundred two is the error that Cloudflare throw up. Um, I've never seen right, it anywhere right. else though. Fair enough. Well, fair. I'll give you. He regained himself. Um. Also, can we just clear something up very quickly to not give it too much our time for the stupid people who actually might even give some sort of gracious presence to this theory? 5G does not cause coronavirus. I said it. Does not cause any sort of virus. I mean, what? I I, I just... I... And that, that, that right, speechless. For the for those who need context, there was a story that came out yesterday in the UK that certain people were deciding to set fire to. 5G or just mobile telephone masks. I don't know if they were. I, I'm going to assume, sorry apart. to interrupt, Aaron, that these people were not intelligent or smart enough to decipher whether it was 4G, 5G, 1G, 2G, 3G exactly. coming out of that mask. There was no way they could have ever known. They just thought they would cause criminal damage to masks because. Eh, and they've like. been abusing telecoms engineers and whatnot. And it's just like, I agree with what I saw a lot of people say yesterday. It's like, how did we get this far as a species is amazing sometimes. It's just like, just some of the stupidest people live in this country or on this planet is absolutely un- you know i have no i have no quarrels with saying that about these people it's just like how dumb do you have to be to believe that kind of stuff it's just incredible i see the uk government have, have taken a, a very heavy approach to it they're sending tech companies to reiterate the fact that 5g does not cause coronavirus and who am i to talk because i mean i don't have any phd in medicine but dr simon clark associate professor in cellular microbiology from the University of Reading said, the idea of COVID being caused by 5G phone signals is complete rubbish. This is a disease which numerous doctors and scientists around the world have said is caused by a virus, something completely different to a mobile phone signal. Viruses are tiny particles made up of generic material wrapped in a layer of proteins and fats. They have no metabolism, can be produced without causing an infection. In the case of the coronavirus, it infects cells in human beings in order to replicate, damaging them and also causing harmful immune reactions in the process. 5G radio signals are electromagnetic waves very similar to those already used in mobile phones. Electromagnetic waves are one thing, viruses are another. And no, you can't get a virus off a phone mast. So as I said, Dr. Simon Clark, Associate Professor in Cellular Microbiology from the University of Reading. But if that wasn't good enough for you, Professor Adam Finn, Professor of Pediatrics in the University of Bristol, said the present epidemic is caused by a virus that has passed from one infected person to the other. We knew this is true. We even have the virus growing in our lab, obtained from a person with the illness. Viruses and electromagnetic waves that make mobile phones and internet connections work are different things. As different as chalk and cheese. And so we'll leave it there because yes, there were other professors, professionals, experts in the field of both 
um biomicrology uh or sorry biology and 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 cellular development and so on and experts in the technology field so can i just say anyone who feels that is the case please go and read up on your facts i it would also almost give some sort of genuinity to this if it was could cause cancer or could cause cell destruction in a, in a human being or something something that almost has some sort of realness to it some sort of genuinity but a virus i mean what Why? stop believing everything you read on facebook people please please yes a virus it's yeah i think it, it a little bit of information is, is dangerous sometimes because obviously we know for example that, that um waves energy on the electromagnetic scale can be harmful ionizing rays from x-rays gamma rays and so on okay they're not good for our body they will potentially damage cells cause cancer they can kill etc etc and that's fine i i don't think anyone would argue it in fact go to a hospital get an x-ray you'll know that that is the case and it's openly admitted and and, and that's so it's kind of a positive and negative. You get an x-ray, you need to see if your bone's broken, but you're you're causing other damage potentially elsewhere. That's why they limit the exposure. There is a difference because anyone who has any common sense or knowledge in the field would know that the length of the, the waves, um, the amplitude and the distance they, they travel and whether they ionize or not, very different properties that different categories of the spectrum have. Electromagnetic radiation will not be the same as an x-ray or something that's more damaging. Case ended, case closed. Let's move on to some technology news. Um, Zoom. We talked about last week. They have been getting an even bigger slitting this week. And I... Hmm. We're getting headlines that Zoom is malware. Zoom is bad. Zoom should not be used. They have a direct connection to China. I yeah. And, and the ironic thing is, this comes from a time that Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of, of of the United Kingdom, had a conference call with his entire cabinet over the service, and has since apologised for doing so. It's significant weaknesses which make it unsuitable for secrets. Team at the Citizen Lab found that Zoom was using a non-standard type of encryption and transmitting information through China. And we talked about last week about. It was the Facebook iOS app, or sorry, the Zoom iOS app, which was transmitting data from users, whether they had a Facebook account or not, through to Facebook. And that was almost worrying enough, but we could justify it because we said, as you pointed out, within the Facebook API, if you're using it in any way, it will do this. And Zoom may or may not have been aware of that. That's one thing. It's another thing to port your data through one, non-standard types of encryption, and two, transmit the information through a country, through a region that's not known to be overly covert um, or in any way friendly with data, potentially. That to me, some that's that's something a bit bit more serious. Honestly, watching Zoom security problems snowball so badly this week was hilarious. I think um again, I think we spoke about this last week. There was a time a while ago, probably about a year ago, we actually spoke about probably the first time Zoom really hit the news for security falls. They actually hit the news for the same problem again this week, or a similar problem again this week. I think a year ago we were talking about how they installed some kind of dodgy web server on Macs, and I think they, it was to like keep something running all the time um this week one of their like eight issues they had is um when you download a program on the mac uh you have to open a dmg you click next you click next you type your password in agree yes yes you know it's a process you have to type your password in um well essentially what zoom were found to be doing is they almost had let's say a one-click installer i think um and people pulled apart the script 
looked and found that it was coming bundled, or this install was coming bundled with a version of 7-Zip, which is an unzipping program. And it would like unzip its files directly into the system folders and whatnot, like bypassing the need for you to give it any authentication or any passwords or anything. Like it was truly horrible. Like this stuff could be abused in so many ways. Um, I'd like to see Apple fix that as well. Um, I saw people trying to put blame on Apple. It's like Apple are having to, you know, Apple and Microsoft, let's say, they're having to fight the different ways companies find of bypassing their stuff. It's not like they leave it there intentionally. Um, the whole China thing came out about traffickers getting rooted to China. We've heard this kind of Zoom bombing has become a term, like it's become a uh, almost a universal term this week, where to join a Zoom conference call, you just need a eight-digit code, is it, I think, or something like that? Like it's just a just a numeric eight-digit code. Um, and unlike Skype, which you need an alphanumeric code, and people have just basically been guessing these codes. You know, you just type random numbers in and uh, you can just join people's conference calls. You know, people have been joining like, you know, obviously primary schools and kids have been using this, uh, you know, and people, just random people have been joining. So it's just like this absolute deluge of uh, privacy issues. But yet everyone continues to use it. And it's that case of, <laughs> as a human race, we sort of go, eh, that was convenient. So eh, who cares? One thing, uh, which is, is slightly related, slightly not, and that apparently, supposedly, and this is all hearsay, so we don't know what is actually being said, but the Boris government is supposedly not impressed with China, is not impressed with the response in that you know, figures are potentially being somewhat skewed, we'll say, from this response, and they're not, in actual case, they're not doing anything to help the worldwide response to the pandemic we're going through at the minute, which has made the UK government potentially reevaluate their usage of Huawei within the network, which I would welcome as um, why did as it someone who, this, who was in the field. What was that, sorry, Aaron? Why did it? Why does it take something like this? Like, yeah, yeah. why does it take something like this to reevaluate it when literally every tech person on the planet was going, "That's a dumb idea." <laughs> it's just incredible. Yeah, no, it's it's eye opening to say the least from from a point of view that it's taking something on a much worse scale to make to make the government sort of look back and say. Right. Okay. This that that might not work. So back to Zoom. Back to Zoom. It's a case of of convenience for people right now. It's the easiest thing they have. Skype, however, have came out and said, "Right. Okay. That's fine. We will respond. We will take the action. You can use our service without signing in or signing up for the period of time that we have." Which I th- I think, given Zoom or Skype, I would probably put my money on Skype being the safest of two. Yeah, I think they both allow the you can join just by entering a meeting code. Um, just Skype is like alphanumeric and a lot harder to guess. Um. We've uh, we've complained a lot about Skype in the past. We've had some great experiences. He says sarcastically. Um, but yeah, this I'd never I weirdly I'd never heard of Zoom. Like I say, apart from that one story I think we talked about last year, I'd never heard of Zoom up until this point. I mean, I don't do a whole lot of video conferencing, and when I do, we tend to use Hangouts at work. Um, but yeah, I just odd that this company just like he's like two hundred million meetings are now being held each day on this like unvetted, you know, unknown platform it's just crazy um they that was it another thing they came into you know let's add it to the uh pile of security problems is this one i can't vouch for i just read it several times um they mentioned or that they said a lot end-to-end encryption that they use end-to-end encryption which gives you the idea that you know your stuff is encrypted end-to-end spoiler alert it's not i think there's like 18 caveats to it not being end-to-end encrypted and the encryption it does use is like easy to bypass or or whatever and it's just like how did the governments and all these companies 
around the world decide that this was the platform they were going to use instead of a tried and tested one. It'd be crazy. You would have almost thought a government would have some sort of solution themselves in place for remote conferencing. But then again, but this, comes from, this comes from a government that has many, numerous, countless times left pen drives on trains, unencrypted, with personal data attached. Enough said. Yeah, I forgot they did that. It's just, yeah. No, not once. Not once. I think there were hundreds counted as to how many have been lost in a set period of time. They haven't shown the uh, highest level of competency, we'll say, in the past, have they? No. So it comes as no surprise that this is the case. But what doesn't come as a surprise, or what does, sorry, come as a surprise is that, you know, we're getting security research calling Zoom a privacy disaster, fundamentally corrupt. I mean, these people know their field. They're, they're in it for a reason. They're saying what they're saying. It's one thing for you or I to comment on it, Aaron, but when, when, when more than one person in that specific field starts to raise alarm bells, we must listen. Because it was that ignorance that got us in, in a global pandemic, not listening to experts in their field at the start. And sometimes you just have to say, right, you know what, he, he or they know more than I do, or she knows more than I do. Let's listen up. And, you know, Zoom say they take users' privacy seriously. They take privacy, security, and trust extremely seriously. During the COVID pandemic, we're working around the clock to ensure that hospitals, universities, schools, and other businesses across the world can stay operational and oper- or connected and operational. Now, they have since apologized as well. They're promising fixes. But why right through china was was that their choice was it their host was it i think i read someone say like half their engineering team is in china so i'm not sure on that one the uh the list of things they said they, they've apologized for. they've been going since 2011 bloody hell um they're going to clarify encryption practices remove code that meant information was shared from its ios app to facebook releasing fixes mac for mac related issues removing a linkedin feature to prevent unnecessary data disclosure issuing guidelines about how to avoid becoming a victim of Zoom bombing. Over the next 90 days, it also plans to freeze development on new features to focus on safety and privacy, uh, conduct a review with independent experts to understand new security features needed for new customers, prepare a transparency report on data requests, enhance its bug bounty program, and hold a weekly webinar to provide privacy and security updates. All great things, which I think we have to, to commend them on. The fact that it took so many news stories coming out for them to issue an apology like this must have been a PR, PR nightmare internally for them. Yep. Um, just incredible. Uh, the fact that this company's been going for nine years and like is only now, or you know, uh, when they've come under immense scrutiny to decide to address these issues is a little concerning. Um, mm. We've said this time and time again, we live in a world now where anything that gets popular, it will immediately be picked apart and torn apart and, you know, privacy holes and security holes will be found, which is fantastic. The worry is for those things that don't get popular or remain like enterprise only or, you know, niche they never do get that level of scrutiny that uh, that things like Zoom are getting. So how many of these other companies or these other apps or whatever are like flying under the radar, sharing all your data, you know, unintentionally or intentionally, you know, wide open security flaws. Like there's got to be a, you know, I don't know what it is, but there's got to be a better way of doing this. Got to be a better way of building stuff like this. I, again, I don't know how you fix it, um, but we need to continue to put pressure on these companies to be more privacy focused, especially like, as you say, when the UK government, and I'm sure more governments are using it, it's just like 
crazy. Absolutely. We'll watch. We'll see what Zoom's response is. We'll then make our final judgment. I'm always one for giving it a chance, and there are various reasons beforehand as to why it may have been done the way it was done, based on the you know geography of, of their staff, where they were originally based, potentially. But now they, are, they have a responsibility to ensure that data is kept safe. Let's see if they take that responsibility seriously or not, and we'll, we'll know that through the response in the coming weeks. Apple have just Sherlocked another app, Dark Sky, um, one that I know you use, Aaron, I use. Fantastic app, extremely intuitive, innovative being the keyword here, was one of the, the, the better and still is one of the better weather apps on the App Store. It was also on the Android Play Store. They are now losing the app because Apple decided to buy it. And Amazon bought Eero just over a year ago. I, the whole thing felt disappointing. It was a small independent company that made a tech product. People loved in part because it was made by a small independent company. Got purchased by a big tech company and, you know, we had to worry about the big tech company associations with what, what they'll do with it and what they would do with this small independent company. We had to worry about what would happen to the product we loved and also the fate of all the good small companies um, that would get absorbed by giant ones. For iPhone users, the Dark Sky app will continue to exist and continue to cost $3.99. We'll continue to provide hyper-local weather forecasts that are capable of telling you what's what weather or it is going to rain in the next 15 minutes or not. It will still be very well designed and you will still be able to trust your location data it will be held in safe hands. But you're not going to be able to use it on your Android phone, or at least you're not going to be able to buy it anymore on your Android phone. And that's disappointing. They're also getting rid of the API, Aaron, as well. Yeah, end of... 2021. So the Android app disappears July 1st this year. So what, two, three months. Um, And the API will disappear end of 2021, which the Android app is like disappointing. I think the Android app is something that actually came a lot later anyway. Um, I don't think that was a day one thing. The API is probably like the bigger disappointment for me here. I know there are lots of services, lots of apps that, I mean, I built one just a little play around that actually relies on the uh, Dark Sky API. But um, I think there's a big app called Carrot Weather, which is amazing. Um, and everyone should definitely go and check that out. Um, it's another one of the probably my favorite weather apps on on the iPhone. I think one of its data sources is Dark Sky. I believe it can also use the Weather Underground data source, so I think they'll be all right for now. Um, I think that's the bigger disappointment. I've seen a lot of angry people at Apple this week, and half of me goes completely justified. The other half of me goes they're removing basically the best weather app for Android, which is an iOS app first and foremost. Does that maybe not speak about the lack of quality apps in the Play Store than anything? Um, that Ooh, Apple remove there. one app and all of a sudden Android users freak out because it's their only good weather app is a little worrying. I disagree a little bit because everyone has a favorite. And I mean, if if Apple took it off the App Store and said, right, we're getting rid of the app altogether, we're wanting to use the back end infrastructure for, for our own apps and Dark Sky wouldn't exist anymore, would you not be a bit peeved? Would you not say, damn it, that was a good app? 100%. But there, like I say, Carol Weather. There are lots of other good weather apps on iOS that just don't exist on Android. Um, this goes beyond weather apps, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking all kinds of apps. It's like, uh, I think, th- yeah, things. I love things. The to do list app, the project manager an app. Absolutely fantastic app. Don't think that's on Android. Um, I don't think things like OmniFocus are on Android. Um, last time I tried 1Password on Android, it felt really janky. Like, just developers don't seem to give Android the time of day I think it now deserves. Um, and we've always spoken about is it a monetary thing? You know, you Apple have kind of got it locked down where, you, you know, you feel like you can make a bunch of money on iOS. Um, Android, it feels like that's a lot more difficult. It feels like you're pandering to an 
audience that doesn't necessarily want to spend the same as the Apple audience does. Um, so I think mm-hmm. developers just go where the money is, essentially. Um, a flip side of this, I don't want to sound like this is me coming up with excuses that, you know, that to, to make Apple look like the good guy here. Apple is still the bad guy here. Um, I think it just highlights another problem as well. Uh, that being the the, the, the level of, of software quality on Android is, is still not up to par. Um, I don't like the fact that Apple are getting rid of both the API and the Android app. It just feels unnecessary. Makes me think that maybe the iOS app isn't going to live for a whole lot longer. Uh, maybe in iOS 14 or 15, you know, it just gets rolled into the default weather app, which would be fine. Um, it'd be a shame, but it would be fine. Um, we have to remember that we, we say uh, Apple has Sherlocked yet another app. The whole term Sherlocking comes from one of the first apps we can remember them. Uh, Sherlocking, bad example. But um, I think there was an app on the Mac called Sherlock, and I think it was Spotlight that ended up uh, kind of killing that. Um, so hence the term Sherlocking ever since. Um, Apple have done it lots and lots of times. This is not the first nor the last time. You know, congrats to the Dark Sky team. It's a fantastic app that I've used for years on the on the iOS platform. Um, yeah. It is the best way of getting weather for me. Um, I think Apple just don't want to rely on... Who do they use? I think it's the Weather Channel they use at the moment to do their built-in weather app, which is just not great. Um, I've never found the data to be that appealing. Like, the hyper-local stuff on Dark Sky is great. Um, you know, you can see down to the minute forecast, which you just can't do on lots of other apps. You can't you can't do that on things like uh, the built-in weather app. So if Apple want to use it, which I assume they do, I mean, I can't think of any ulterior motives for buying a weather app. Um, we know when they purchase other apps, we're always like, well, maybe they want to roll it in and maybe they want to do this, that and the other. It's things like, you know, Siri yeah. and whatnot when they bought that. Um, but the weather app feels like they want to replace the default weather app. I can't think of anything else. Um, obviously, the weather's built into a lot of places on the Mac platform. You know, you open up your calendar, you've got the weather in there. You open up Google Maps, you've got the cal- sorry, Apple Maps, you've got the calendar, uh, the weather in there, sorry. Um, so yeah, congrats to the Dark Sky team. Sucks that it's getting pulled off of Android. Um, I assume it's just because, actually, as I say, I assume it's because Apple don't do Android apps, but they do do Android apps. Apple Music and whatnot is on Android. So I don't know, just odd, very odd. The thing about Dark Sky, the reason why it is so accurate is because weather forecasts, the closer you get to the time you're wanting to forecast, obviously the more accurate it's going to be because it's not so much a guess or a prediction. It is more, here is what hap- is happening right now. So Dark Sky uses radar. Um, it uses photographic um satellite photographs as well to sort of predict what it not predict but to say what is happening the the further you get away it's the same with any forecast the more inaccurate it gets because the more likelihood there are for other um prevailing factors to change that that potential weather activity that is forecasted for the the, the future but concerning yourself with the weather for that day for that hour that period of time within the day that becomes um not easier but more helpful i mean if i wanted to go for a cycle after the show i'm looking outside right now i can see gray i don't know whether it's going to rain or not so there's a potential you could start using your own knowledge so the clouds are light and fluffy they don't seem gray they they don't seem to be any you know there's no cumulonimbus nimbus clouds in the sky do you like the little name drops aren't no okay um he's pulling out the geography major words i would take as far as to say as it's probably not going to rain would i be right no it's not it's mostly cloudy for the rest of the day light rain later on tonight bit of heavy rain further up in the north and so on so i mean that app confirms what you could probably make of yourself but um there are times when the sky doesn't necessarily tell you the true picture of what's coming so uh, yeah no absolutely uh, very good app i think what dark sky really mastered was the user interface the user the, the, the ux and the ui 
that that's what sold Dark Sky for a lot of people. And they have just built upon that time in, time out. A big thing from day one for me is the weather app has improved on, on iOS, but it's always been a bit, I don't know, numbers overload. Like when you open that, it's just like numbers everywhere. Yeah. Whereas one thing I've liked about Dark Sky is dead easy to use. You know, you got your little uh, timeline and it shows you, you know, in graphical format what it's going to be like. Yeah, I love the way it uses kind of numbers, but also like spacing to dictate things like temperature. I love that. It's dead simple. You know, when it's going to rain, you get the little hour, next hour thing, which is great for like when I go for a lunchtime walk or something, I know in the next hour, I'm not going to get absolutely drenched. Um, or if I am, at least I know when it's going to happen. Um, <laughs> Dark Sky saved my bacon so many times when it comes to remembering to take an umbrella on a lunchtime walk. Or whether or um, not you want the, the hood down on your MX-5. Yes, all that. Not allowed to do that <laughs> at the moment though, so you know. Yeah, true, true. Stay at home. So yeah, I mean, I'm not necessarily saying this is a bad thing. It's a great thing for Dark Sky, as you say, because it, it's a recognition of the high... It, Apple won't purchase an app lightly, but well, sometimes they will, but in this case they won't. And, and and they've done a great job with the app. It's a fantastic app, works really well. Um, I think it's tantamount and, and sort of speaks volumes for how good it is. But I do feel for those on Android who liked it, who who want, you know, enjoyed using it, but also the services that use the API, because all of a sudden they're not in position. What do they do? Where do they go? So in one way, yes, we'll see great innovations, probably from Apple in using that, I hope, in some way, but also potential innovations in that the companies that have now been forced to look for alternatives may develop their own, may create something even better. You just don't know. If you go to the uh, darksky.net website, it already says Dark Sky by Apple at the top. That didn't take long. Yeah, no. Basically, Apple didn't give anyone a send the chance uh, on the, the matter. It's it's going on Android. The API is going. That is it. I oh, do their, wonder. Go ahead. I was going to say their website as well. I believe their website is disappearing. And that's like, I use that all of the time. Every day I use that website. I didn't even know until hearing the websites going that they had a website. And when I visited it, it's brilliant. It, it's, it, yeah, though. So. But I don't think anyone's going to change Apple's mind on their direction. They're obviously buying it for a reason. Um, and yes, they're keeping the app around for now. It, I would be doubtful that that will be the case in the next few years. I think they'll integrate it in some way into their own. But who knows? They, they didn't buy it to make profit off the sales of the app. Put it like that, right? 100%. This is going to get rolled in somehow. I, you know, is that there's speculation like, you know, uh, with the U1 chip and whatnot, like maybe Apple are going to do something, you know, with pressure in your room or I don't know, you know, yeah, m- maybe it is going to be rolled in more to the iPhone and iPhone only features. Maybe that explains some getting rid of on Android. But for now, it just just sucks, to be honest. Absolutely. That brings us to the end of this week's episode 502. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us and to listen. Stay safe, stay healthy. Um, until next week's episode, you can find more episodes over at munchtech.tv for the ultimate guide to podcasting, munchtech.tv forward slash ultimate podcast guide. If you're listening on your mobile device, munchtech.tv forward slash mobile for our newsletter, munchtech.tv forward slash newsletter. And we always say it last but not least by no means least our interview with Steve Wozniak co-founder of Apple computing pioneer and engineering genius that is on over at munchtech.tv forward slash was once again thank you so much for joining us have a safe pleasant enjoyable week and we'll see you next time on 503 until then bye 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 bye